Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. So here we go, guys. This episode, man, I'm bringing in Dane Maxwell. And I promise you, I can completely geek out during this conversation. This guy had me spun. So I'll, so sit back and enjoy it. This was a hell of a deep, fun conversation that, that I'm going to enjoy listening to again and again. And as always, guys, this is brought to you by Point Blank Safety Services. They are setting the bar for safety and security in the state of Texas. I promise you guys, if you have any assets that need to be protected, uh, especially if we're during the time when we don't have people in office buildings and everything else, if you need somebody to make sure your assets stay your assets and you know control and protect everything that you have point blank safety services is the absolute company you need you can head over to pointblanksafety.com and check them out and i promise uh tell stacy donnie sent you that they'll help you out and something else guys we just launched a very cool idea it's called success champions networking and you know, I grew up in the sales game, if you've heard my story on the show before, and, you know, a lot of my business development and success came through networking. And, you know, along that way, I ran several networking groups and functions, but I didn't like how traditional networking was done. So we changed the game up a little bit, and I really made some great relationships and friends that, that helped me scale and grow my businesses. Well, Success Champions Networking is a 100% virtual-based networking groups. We're opening up in cities all across the world right now where you can come in, have a category industry you know, secured seat, no competition on the live feed, and you can be set up for great success in your business by growing referral partners that are out helping and sell for you. Uh, along with that, we're doing a ton of coaching and training and everything else. So do me a favor, guys, head over to donnybovine.com backslash success hyphen champion hyphen networking and check out Success Champions Networking. I promise you, if you go to donnybovine.com backslash success hyphen champion hyphen networking you're going to be blown away by what you find in these virtual networking groups now let's get on to dane All right, guys, going to be another fun episode. Um, going to be an interesting story on this one. So I'm bringing in Dane Maxwell. And from the beginning, how we started all this thing, I'm going to tell you, strap it in. I think it's going to be a good one. So, Dane, welcome <laughs> to the show, my friends. Please tell us your story. Well, I am so grateful to have a voice on your podcast. And I do hope I get to reach some people today. I, Because of the authenticity of the show, I guess I just, what you like to lead with, I I'd like to lead with, um, I developed a debilitating self-image growing up um, and it just rocked me. And I couldn't see myself clearly for years and my brain would haunt me and I would be constantly in pain um, to the point where it became just a status quo. You know, I was so insecure that I'd walk past windows. I've healed a lot. I'd walk past windows in college and I'd look at my legs in the window reflection and make sure that I'm walking in a certain way so I can get approval. <laughs> so like if I'm That's a first, if, all right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean if, if I'm doing that, then that can give you a, a hint at how much I might be haunted by the things going on in my own brain until I realized that the fastest way to heal is to find the worst 
thing in your brain and become friends with it. True. And True. Man, well does that does that help out? And um, so it wasn't until entrepreneurship that my brain felt safe to fly. <laughs> and and when I found entrepreneurship, I worked so hard, so long, and I was so nourished and so afraid, but I was so excited. Um, you know, there's that subtle but after the afraid, because I don't know if I was. I I lived in so much fear my whole life when I landed in entrepreneurship, I finally felt like I belonged on the planet. You know, so Dude, by I 20, fucking love that. By 22, I by 2022 20, is when I found entrepreneurship and well, I didn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's what I love about this. And we're going to dive into this a bunch, but is, is, you know, for 40 years, I worked for other people, right? I was a sales guy, made other people a lot of damn money. Right. And if you would ask me, I would have told you 100% I knew who the fuck I was, but dude, it wasn't until I became a business owner. Until life was 100% on me, nobody else to blame, no other excuses, no anything else that I finally met me. Wow. Dude, that's a cool fucking place to be. Mm -hmm. and, and knowing what makes you tick and knowing what you're made of and how when you think you're stacked up against it and there's still more to give, fuck, dude, you can't beat that. You mm -hmm. can't beat that. So I'm, I'm stoked that you found it at such a young age. Because 22 oh, yeah. is young as hell. So how'd that happen? I mean, for you, was it because of entrepreneurship that that, that that door opened? Or was it something else became more important than worrying about the fuck everybody else said? Oh, well, I didn't have encouraging voices growing up around me. Um, you know, as I diagnosed, I diagnosed with ADHD in like seventh grade or whatever, but then I was homeschooled till seventh grade. But then as you, you know, you talk to certain experts and they say that kids with ADHD are just kids that didn't get any help processing feelings. It's got all this <laughs> suppressed feelings inside of them and they can't do anything with it. Of course, the brain's going to go a million miles an hour because there's all these feelings inside. So whether, whether that's the case or not, I mean, I was diagnosed with ADHD, but like I didn't realize, you know, that word deficit attention deficit. I'm at a deficit. My mind's at a deficit. I'm a deficit. I'm a de deficit to society. I'm a deficit to my thinking, you know? And, and so I was just, I didn't have, um, and my mom was so protective of me. Um, and my father was a, an amazing man. It was more of the world. You know, when I go out, when I, when I leave home and I go out into the world, I get all these terrible messages, you know? So I was, I was a beautiful kid to my parents, but man, the world just, like, what is this kid doing, you know? So was it because you were more of the analytical type of kid, more of the process-oriented kid? Was it because I'm almost wondering if it was you were kind of like Sheldon off the Big Bang, you know, theory type of thing. Is, is, was, I mean, is, was that the growing up and, and where the uncomfortableness came from everybody else? Well, I think I was probably just a little too sensitive and I didn't know what to do with it. So I take, uh, a, lot of, I take a lot of things personal that I didn't need to. Um, I, I was, you know, I was socially awkward, um, and I didn't know it. And I think, you know, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't come to, to hit me until that I was a, a handsome or attractive individual or that I was intelligent for a really long time. I still struggle to even see that. And, you know, I look back at pictures of myself and I was like, why do I look so much better looking than I felt, you know, at that time. Um, but like, I went, I joined a, like I so I went to high school and it was really tough. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to college. I'm gonna reinvent myself in college. It's going to be it. It's what I'm going to find out who I am. And I went into college and I got wrecked <laughs> again. And I was like, okay, it's definitely, I'm definitely a loser. It's definitely the case. And I had this frat guy um, who rushed me and then kind of turned on me as soon as I was rushed and they tackle you in the hallway and beat you up. And I was like, oh, this sucks. Well, Turned out that guy ended up becoming a coke addict and divorced his divorced his wife and is really struggling with his life. But I forgot about him for 13 years on purpose. <laughs> but you know, um, we were drinking one night and he ripped my coat and tried to punch me and it just sucked. And my father didn't teach me how to defend myself. He did and didn't like he taught me how to use my heart and he did teach me how to do punching. But like, I didn't really see my father stand up for himself that much. Right. Because he's such a peacemaker. And 
I kind of appreciate that now, but it was hard growing up. Um, but, but I love my father deeply and I think he did a good job. So the thing, the thing with this, I just didn't learn how to defend very well. Um, and the thing, interesting thing is he did, he did teach me that he got me a boxing. I got my butt kicked at a hockey game once. And so like we got myself a boxing bag and I get on my rollerblades and he'd help me punch the boxing bag. It's <laughs> so, like, he would, he did help me, but like, you know, in terms of learning, I my, want that video. I want, I want that particular <laughs> video of you on freaking rollerblades and a punching bag. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I mean, so like he taught me this, but like in terms of living from his example, him, him just, he just valued peace so much that out of love, he would avoid conflict. And I would interpret this as weakness. Um, but so this, so this call this college guy is bullying me. And I forget about him and I call him up, you know, uh, or I, 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 he changed his name. I can't find him anymore. So like I write fraternity brothers that I do know and say, Hey, do you know where this guy is? And then all of a sudden I get this message from the bully. He's like, I heard you're asking for me. What do you want? You know? <laughs> and I was like, okay, same guy. Um, you know, I was like, well, you know, you're kind of a dick to me in college. So I wanted to see if you've changed or if you're still a dick. Something like this, <laughs> literally. And he like he's like, call me. and gives me his like, just call me the phone number. <laughs> I feel like it's the Sopranos or something, you right? Know? And I call him up and and we and we chat. And he actually ended up apologizing. But here was his perspective on it. He said, "Listen, I'm like a buzzsaw. Our friends are like buzzsaws. If you come around, you get cut. That's just what friend. That's like friends. This isn't. We're not. We're not actually trying to be dicks. It's just like how we are." And then like, I kind of would mention a couple things and he's like, oh, okay. You know, and I was like, well, you were kind of a dick in the message. And he's like, okay. So he kind of started seeing this, but then he said this to me, he said, you know, man, Dane, I may have been a little rough on you, but you were like a fish out of water, man. You were, you were complimenting a man's triceps in the shower in the, in the front. And I was like, I did that. He's like, he's like, yeah. No wonder like, you got your ass whooped. Right, no kid, dude. I mean, seriously, like get a, get a clue. I mean, so. There's nothing wrong with telling another dude he's, he's a good looking guy. There's nothing wrong with that. But there is etiquette. You don't do it in the shower. I mean, thank you. Thank you. Home, homeschooling served in some ways. Right. And not in others. You know, I just, I just, an innocent guy, I spoke what was on my mind. So it, that I tell that, I've never told that story before, but I, <laughs> I, um, it just, it just goes to show that I think I was a little, a little awkward and I was a little, I was a little, um, yeah, I made people uncomfortable. Right. And so, anyway. Yeah. So it, when um, the business thing came online, that came online through just happenstance of accident of seeing an interview with a woman who had won Donald Trump's apprentice, one of his first or second ones. And she said, yeah, my life was da 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 da. And then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I, my whole life changed. And I was like, I didn't know a book could change your life. And so I went out and picked that book up and I read it in like three days. And then with, within years, I was reading all the time. And then I, yeah. That's what I love is I think a lot of people that have found success can go back and say, I remember the book I read yeah, yeah. that forced me to do this. Cause for me, it was think and grow rich. And yeah. I always have to put it this way. The book did not teach me much. Mm. What it did was open me to the world of books, mm -hmm. right? It taught me that, you know, if you want to learn something, somebody out there is written about it mm -hmm. right so i went on this mad dash learning world of reading every book i get a hold of mm -hmm. now it's youtube and podcasts for me you know that's how i learn everything you know mm -hmm. to to you know figure out anything else so my books have now evolved but most people that i've found can go you know i happen to be reading this particular book <laughs> and it caught me down this path so I'm I'm glad that you found Rich Dad Poor Dad. I don't believe in Kiyosaki's philosophies and everything else, but it's a decent read. His book is, um, you know, everything. So 22 into entrepreneurship. What the hell were you doing? Software, building software. Yeah, software. That's a good place for an awkward guy to be. Is in in, in <laughs> software away from people behind a monitor in yeah. his mom's basement. I mean, <laughs> that's exactly where I was. <laughs> Thank you for totally, you know, getting that whole stereotype out there for me. Yeah, what yeah, kind of cool. software were you building? Well, B2B software, B2B SaaS. And I had a, I had no money. I had a hundred bucks to my name. So with my back against the wall, I got really creative because I had no other place to go. I was like, well, this is the place I feel like I belong. I better make this work. 
So I created a process unbeknownst to me to find software ideas, um, find developers to build them, um, get customers to pay for them in advance. And I effectively had an, an infinite wealth creation machine right in front of me without knowing it. So I just built like seven software products and I have zero hour work weeks and um, software is the holy grail of, of income. You, you can do, if you do it right once, it'll pay you forever. Um, and, and you don't need to come up with ideas. You don't need to write code and um, everything's pretty, pretty straightforward with it. Or so I thought um, there are things that you need to know, but I was just so brilliant at it without knowing it. I was unconsciously competent. Um, so then I taught a bunch of other people. Um, and one, one of the things that I really, I want to, I want to stress when you, when you're listening to someone is like more and more, I'm looking to people that have PhDs or I'm looking to people that are super credible. And I just want to listen to people that actually have grounded source level knowledge. You know what I mean? And I do. Like, I feel you. I a hundred percent feel you on that. Man. Waste of time. So I just want to let you know that like, I've got 15 multimillionaires that I've created and taught and they did it in four years time and they were all employees. Nice. And, and you're, and I was able to rapidly do that by installing pattern recognition in the brain and then showing them how to use pattern recognition. And then if you look at like a fundamental characteristic of an expert for an industry, there's someone that can look at patterns and then articulate those patterns. And, and so that's what I've taught people to do. And then they end become, they end up becoming top students in their field. So I have students of mine that are at the top of their field. Sam Ovens from consulting.com was a student of mine. Yeah. He, he couldn't even afford, couldn't even afford to pay me when he joined. He had to borrow his girlfriend's credit card and now he'll do 30 million. <laughs> and his start was with me and, and that kid's brilliant, but he took what I, he, he's kind of famous for saying, I stole your mind. I'm not giving it back and now I'm going to supercharge it. <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, that's what Sam told me after I mentored him. Right. But, but Sam's not alone. I've got people, I've got people that are at the top in their top in their industry that I've taught. And to think that I had this in me my whole life, it just took encouragement from books to unlock and kind words to let me know that I have greatness in me and that there's greatness in all of us and that I see greatness in everyone that I look at. I just, I just wanted to wake that greatness up in people in a, in a very real way. And I saw, I saw entrepreneurship as the way, as the jujitsu of financial something or the other. Yeah, no, I love that. You know, what's interesting is I have a theory that people are walking through life and they got this whiteboard on their chest and they're walking up to the people they meet and they go, would you please write my worth? on here so I know how much I'm worth, right? My, that whole mental state. Wow. Am I good looking enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I, am I rich enough? Am I in the right clothes? Am I in the right car? Am I in the, they're constantly putting their worth in somebody else's hands, AKA you as a kid growing up, right? Yeah. Um, uh, at some point, being an entrepreneur's books, the whole nine yards, you realize that that whiteboard gotta get flipped the fuck around so you can write what the fuck you're worth on it and quit putting it in somebody else's hands. I love the fact that you got to that spot because a lot of people still aren't there, right? They're mm. still, um, they, they dress a certain way because it might impress somebody. They, they carry themselves a certain way because they might, you know, impress somebody. They, you know, they'll, they'll act a certain way because that's what they think the world wants from. When the opposite of the fact is fucking true. Because when you come back to yourself, because the self is the only thing that fucking matters. When you mm -hmm. come back to yourself and you show up in the world as your own authentic fucking person, your people show the fuck up. Your tribe comes in and your people come around you. I fucking love your story. So you're building software, 22 years old, and you realize that you kind of, I don't know if there's ever natural talent. I'm sure you went through some trials and everything else to figure out how to do all the software stuff. You probably had some DNA that did lead you to be really proficient in this. How did you really turn, figure out how to turn it into a business? I mean, cause just building software is one thing, selling it, getting other people to buy into it, use it in the whole nine yards is a whole nother aspect of it. How did you figure that portion out? <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> you know what? That was the most enriching teaching moment on my podcast ever. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> hey, I got this software. Do you want to buy it? Okay. I mean, what? That's it. I what mean, you. What was the first program you built? I mean, it's, it's so my my. <laughs> I mean, how many things could I have said there? I mean, there's my income has grown based on the marketing skill I have, not based on the product creation skill I okay. have. So, you know, you could have, so when I, I was doing cold calling, I did cold call for six months trying to sell software. And that was a very, very useful learning experience. But after six months, I only sold five products. Then I found email marketing and I started making like four sales a day. So let me, let me, let me go down that path a second. Sure. A kid that didn't fit in growing up, starts a company and now tries to do the most awkward sales process in the fucking world. What put, got it in your head that you had to do cold calls? Because I know people that grew up as confident as hell with a stud football player, stud volleyball player, you know, and just the cream of the crop, you put a phone in front of them and they melt. How did the kid that was the opposite of that go, I'm going to pick up the phone and dial. Oh man, it was way easy. Was it because you didn't have to have the personal inter interaction? There was a phone in between you. Yeah, no human be no human being in the room was helpful. <laughs> um, you know, there's no. So there like, you go, guys. If you're cold calling, shoo everybody out. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I have had this belief that business, and I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I've had this belief that business is so easy, and so simple, and so fun, um, that I just. Uh, certainly there's things that are not easy and certainly there are things that are not fun that come in. But since my belief system is easy and fun, they just bounce off me and I just stay kind of focused on this thing. And I build these really easy and fun businesses and I did it so well. That's why people came to learn from me. And in this, in this instance though, and I never set out to teach entrepreneurship, you know, I was just crushing these little software products until people were like, this is, what are you, what are you doing, dude? How do you do this? And I was like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. But um, you know, I had this friend of mine and he's like, I could never do what you do, Dane. I could never do it. I was like, yeah, you can. Let's do something right now. <laughs> he's like, oh, no, I'm dead set on being absolutely certain I could never do what you do. <laughs> I was like, all right, here, I'll give you a product, all right? Social media marketing for realtors, okay? You'll just do, you'll just power social media for a real estate agent. They don't want to do that. They need help. All right, so you got a product? He's like, fine. I said, all right, we're going to cold call your first agent right now. You're going to sell it. <laughs> so here we go. Let's go. Uh, Remax real estate agents in Kentucky. All right. Okay. There's a number. All right. Dialing. Here you go. Ring, ring. Yeah. Guys. Hello. Um, he goes, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you want something? Um, yeah. So do you, um, do you, do you have Facebook? No, thanks. Hang up. Okay. <laughs> all right. Next call. Good job, dude. He's got like three or four people. We're all laughing at him at this point and give him the phone again. It's like rings. He said, Hey, I'm just curious if you use Facebook for um, your marketing one, one failure. And he's already this smooth. Um, yeah, this is not a good time. All right. Third dial calls up. Say, um, quick question for you are you using social media for your real estate business right now? You know, I thought about it, um, but I'm just so busy. Would you like some help with that? Yeah. And in that third phone call, he signed up a $200 per month customer. And in the span of zero to five minutes, he was in business. And I've often joked that the time it takes for someone to fill out a job application, I could have a business started. Right. And, you know, often much faster because, um, of this story. So, you know, it, it ultimately ended up being too much for him. It just, it would just shake his system so much that he ended up, you know, I think being like a manager of a grocery store seemed to be more in line with where he found his, his harmonic resonance. But um, yeah, cold calling is, is, is um, many things, but yeah. it, um, it certainly helps you learn how to speak correctly. Well, 100% because you've got to be on right then and there. I mean, I still got 
clients that will laugh because my idea of teaching cold calling was taking a phone, put it in the middle of a sales room, put it on speakerphone and doing live dials in front of everybody. So I could hear both sides of the conversations, right? That's how I taught because I believe in a philosophy. You go, I go. I'm not going to teach you something I can't do myself. So let me show you. I'm, I'm going to do everything I'm fixing to teach you. Um, and so uh, I, I've, I've still got friends that call me up. They're like, are you still doing that shit in front of the room? I'm like, well, I haven't in a while because it's not my business now. But if you need it, you know, let's figure it out. But, um, you know, 22 years old. I, I love this economy we're in right now, this whole idea of the gig economy. And, and these kids are creating all these businesses and doing all mm. these things. I was 40 years old before I got the bug to launch a business. Mm -hmm. um, at 22, in a time when entrepreneurship wasn't really all that cool, <laughs> you know, it wasn't really a thing. What started you down the path to say, I've got to start my own business? Was there was no job opportunities? Was there nothing else? And this is what you were stuck with, left with? Or were you like, fuck it, I'm just going to start a business? I reached the top of the food chain and employment really quickly and found out it was hell on earth. <laughs> Talk to me about, I mean, 22 years old, how can you get, to, how top were you? I mean, well, I mean, I got the best internship you could probably get for the college, you know, I, so I went to college to become a computer hacker and um, there was a program at Iowa state university and they allowed me to like, you had to get like, you had to have like a 4.0 to get in that. And so I came from high school with a two eight, but when I resolved to do something, all of reality comes to my aid because of my commitment is so strong that my brain's at ease. I'm at peace. I'm not like, do I, do I, do I? Like, I'm just like anything and everything it takes. So I set up my schedule in a way where I'd have class and I have an hour break and I'd have class and an hour break. And every time after class, whatever they gave me assignment, I'd do it right after class. And I set up my whole schedule and I'd study in the basement of the library where all the hot chicks were not. You know? <laughs> and it was just me with the books. Because my mission, man. And then I'd walk out of the library and check my legs in the window. And, you know, um, and, and so I, that I video too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I walked pretty, I got the, I got the walk down pretty cool. And then I realized it didn't matter. So it was a waste of time. But, uh, you know, so I, I, then I'd meet with the professors and I'd get anything I can to sneak out anything I could to figure out any sort of test information I could. And I had a four, near four, near four, 4.0. Um, I didn't get the hacking there. They picked eight people and I was number nine. And if I got it, I would have had a full ride. I would have had an $8,000 stipend, but I would have had to work for the government for two years when I graduated. Thank God. Didn't. <laughs> I didn't get it. I went to go work construction for the summer. They emailed me over the summer saying, Hey, we have a spot open up for the program. We are the next pick. Would you like it? And I, I, I like log as I, I reply, I said, Oh, sorry, you're late. Someone else already took it. So I missed the opportunity twice for the hacker thing. Um, so I said, okay, well, screw you then. And then I um, went, I used all of my hard work to land the best internship possible. So I volunteered at the career fair and helped the job people set up their booths. And then, you know, met Ernst and Young and um, they were very impressed with me and my work ethic and helping him set up the booth. And so I came back and gave him my resume and I tell you what, GPA does matter. Um, they look at that GPA when it's that high, um, especially backed by someone volunteering at the job fair. I got an interview um, with nine companies from that job fair. Um, I failed eight of them, but Ernst & Young was the last one, so I had practice. <laughs> right? <laughs> And do I ever love entrepreneurship? You know, they're, they're, so I love teaching people the, about, their, about their, their greatness. And um, I wish that word wasn't used so much so it wouldn't seem so cliche. But for example, um, it's really true that people have greatness inside them if they allow themselves to fail enough to find it. Uh, but the, the, if the failure is taken personally, then it debilitates you and you can't do it. But I never really took entrepreneurship personally. I didn't take a cold call rejection personally. I didn't take my 11 failed businesses personally. I didn't take any of this stuff personally. Um, and a test you can take once and you're screwed. Entrepreneurship, you can fail a hundred or a thousand times until you get it right. Thank God. And so 
there's an insidious belief that uh, I work with people right away if I can, um, as I'm getting more present to this. And it's the belief that I only have one chance to succeed. I only have one chance to find love. I only have one chance to find a relationship. I only have one chance to succeed. And if they have that belief, then they will hold on for dear life to anything good and avoid everything bad because they just got one chance to do this. And so their body's in a state of fight or flight. They're in a state of survival. So when you think about why there's at least, at least 15 millionaires that I can count um, that have graduated from, you can see how potent someone could be if you sit them down and deprogram that first. Um, and, and so, which I didn't do directly then, but I did indirectly and I started doing as I did more of this. But long story short, I got the ninth interview with Ernst and Young and I realized when interview number three said, tell me about yourself. And I said, well, you're a typical college student. We've got a girlfriend. I've got a cat. And they're like, not what I was looking for in an answer. <laughs> yeah. You know, bringing up the cat is a, is a, is a classy move in the middle of an interview. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it was triceps. Triceps, man. And you know, now we're full circle. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I've, I've just always, I guess I've always been myself to some extent. So I get to the ninth, I get to the ninth interview and they say, tell me about yourself. And I said, well, I'm really good at what I do. Um, I'm a tutor. I mentor people here. I'm learning and teaching. I'm in leadership roles. I'm involved in clubs and I'm really looking to, you know, blah, 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 blah. At the end of that interview, I had a hand or I had a letter, a thank you letter I writ, wrote in advance. I said, can you please tell me your name? And they say, da, 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 da. So I write their name on the letter and then I slide it across the table. I said, thank you so much for your time. And I walk out. The only way I could be that smooth and that good was by getting shit on yeah. my face eight or nine times. So I just wipe the shit off and write what I learn and just get better and better. And man, is it, is it so much fun when you can live that way. So I got to Ernst and Young and it fucking sucked. <laughs> and I don't usually cuss. I actually, if you listen, if you listen to my old ones, I do, but I've been trying to grow up, you know, I have, I have a child now and I'm trying to like become more gentle and stuff. And, but anyway, yeah, it really sucked. And everybody was like sucking the partners, whatever, like, yeah, yeah. Oh God, once you make it to partner partners, the partners, the bees knees, partner, partner, partner. And then you talk to partners and they're so brilliant. And you're like, God, I've heard this partners, the ticket. That's where my well-being will be. And then, you know, you go on a cruise boat around Minnesota and you see the partners looking at $10 million homes and you see the partners have pain and logging in their eyes because they know they can't afford that home. I said, why would I work my whole life to be at the top of the food chain and then still be left wanting? I don't like that. That's first data point. Um, so then the, the second data point was then a partner came and worked beside me all day. And everybody said, oh, a partner's so great. And you know what a partner does? Is they cold call Fortune 500 companies all day to sell a, a, a corporate auditing accounting services. And may, that might have been the only day they do that all year. I don't care. Even if it's you know one what? day. For me, that is the definition of employee. What do you mean? These guys work in these money. They're at the pinnacle of supposed career success. And because they work for somebody else and they haven't created their own empire, mm -hmm. they're down in the freaking intern's office making cold calls. When you're in that an employee, you do what you're told. As a business owner, you may make cold calls. You choose to do that. But more likely, you're going to build systems and processes and put people in place to go do that shit for you. The mere fact that they went from the top down and we're still doing that. And I'm not knocking that work ethic. I think it's beautiful. I think it's awesome. But the mere fact that they most likely weren't choosing to do that, they were doing that because that's the only way they kept their partnership. Right? That's the different shift in mindset that I, that I absolutely love. Very telling. I, yeah. I, so I, ha I had to rely on candy and caffeine every day around 2 p.m. to get through the day. I don't ever drink caffeine and I hardly have candy now. And if you're not living a life that is naturally inspiring, you'll need caffeine to get out of bed. But if you live a life and you're truly inspired by it, the, like if you, if, like if you have a, if you wake up and one, like one of my mentors taught me, if you wake up and you have a powerful vision for your life and you feed that vision to your brain, first thing you wake up, it'll actually hit your emotional brain and the emotional brain will actually release chemicals equivalent or more powerful to a cup of coffee. And you don't really need to rely on caffeine. So if, you, if you're relying on stimulants, 
to live. I mean, I mean, caffeine, caffeine's up the end of the world, but I don't drink it. And I'm really happy I don't. And if, if you have to rely on that stuff to get through the day, I think it should be a very compassionate indicator that you're probably lying to yourself. Because if you don't follow your deepest desire, as I sip a cup of coffee, well, I was thinking about that as I was speaking. <laughs> um, I was like, this dude probably, this dude probably drinks coffee. My mom drinks coffee. I mean, people like their coffee, but if, if, if I, so if, if I say this thing about coffee and you're angry at me or you're defensive at me, oh, you stupid, you don't have coffee, right. then you are probably addicted and you're protecting 100%. But if I say this and you're like, oh, you know, I just kind of like my coffee. That's, it's a whole different story. My, my point is not about coffee. What I'm trying to say is if you're trying to carry yourself through your day and you can't get through it authentically because you're just not living a truly authentic life, then please do look at it. Because um, I want to say, if you're not following your deepest desire, like your truest, deepest desire, the desire that may be the smallest whisper, but it's been there forever, you're lying to yourself every day. Yeah. Dude, I, I 100% agree. You know, here's, here's the interesting thing. Um, and my, my listeners have heard me say this story quite a few times, but um, was in a situation, sales training, one of the top trainers in the US. Um, and uh, nice. my business partner at the time, you know, we had gone out for dinner, have drinks to celebrate an awesome year. We had done amazing. Revenue was way up. We were both making a ton of money. And I was in the process just starting to buy his business out. During that cocktail, he looked at me in a very genuine, caring, and loving way and said, so thank God, Donnie, you're my retirement plan. And in the moment I acknowledged that, I probably said some words like, I'm grateful for that. And that's the moment when I drove home and I went, motherfucker, I have spent my life living somebody else's dreams. Damn. You know, the interesting thing about that whole thing is, and the reason I bring it up is up until that point, hmm. I would have challenged anybody who came at me that I was living my passion, hmm. that I was, was doing the shit that, that rose me out of bed. I mean, cause I was getting on stage. I'll get in front of the company. I was making great. I mean, hell we bought our dream house and our farm and you know, I built a second house. I mean, we had wow. been doing everything. So I would have challenged anybody. But it really wasn't until that moment when he said that phrase. And he meant it in a very loving, caring way. He was really trying to be thankful for everything that I'd done for him. It just came out in such a way that I woke me up. And then I had to question everything I've done up until that point to go, who the fuck is Donnie? You know, and I think a lot of people <laughs> are moving through their life and have yet gotten to that point where they've actually questioned who the fuck they are. They believe they're on the path because they've never been punched in the face hard enough to rock the system, to do what you just said, which is actually go and chase a passion and do something that gets their rocks off. You know, for, for me, I, truly believe that when you're on the right path fun shit's gonna happen like you're gonna wake up at three o'clock in the morning go that's the answer i've been fucking looking for let's roll right and that kind of stuff happens because you're heading down the right path so let me ask you in lieu of a guy like me having to get somebody say you're my retirement plan or somebody to have to hit rock bottom how does somebody question their life right now and literally go who the fuck am I and how do they find it? The two uh, answers. Um, so one of the things I think I do have is I have a tremendous amount of bravery. And so whether I get bullied or picked on or I'm socially awkward, there's, I work hard and I'm brave. Um, and I worked hard and I was brave enough to see that entrepreneurship's actually in my eyes, infinitely safer than being an employee. Oh, I agree with that. If you have courage. Training, courage. Yeah, because it's also the toughest position in the world to do, especially starting out. Yeah, I want to challenge that. I don't think it is. 
and I can see how it is too. Um, I think entrepreneurship is one of the easiest and most natural things in the world to do. Because um, at the heart of entrepreneurship is to serve another human being. So I've got this, this book coming out and it's a wonderful book. It's comprehensive. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. It's, it's called Start From Zero. And it's how to build a lucrative business where you have no ideas, no money, no experience, no confidence, no credibility. How do you start from zero? And if you capture the heart of entrepreneurship, and these are, these are, these are awesome businesses too. These aren't like, this is a business that you love to have because it takes care of you instead of you having to take care of it. Right. Um, so when you, when you actually see the clear vision for how, how beautiful entrepreneurship is and how simple it can be, you, you realize that um, the heart of entrepreneurship is to uh, remove pain, improve someone's life, do it with compassion. And then um, like one of the first or second pages of the book, I get right out, out of the way right away is the cardinal rule of successful entrepreneurship. And the cardinal rule of successful entrepreneurship is that we do not get to decide what works. So if we don't get to decide what works in business, but we think we do, then it becomes hard because then you think you've got to be creative. You think you've got to be innovative. You think you've got to come up with something sexy. You think you've got to dazzle and sparkle when really it has nothing to do with you and has nothing to do with what you think because we don't get to decide what works. So when someone comes to me to learn entrepreneurship, the first thing I tell them is that. I said, great. So guess what? You don't get to decide what works. So what that means then is that you learn to listen. And this is very difficult for people to wrap their heads around. This is what you could say would be difficult. So you learn to listen. Um, and I have a, a five-question process that anybody can use to find money within five or ten minutes. And I've been, it's been taken four or five years to whittle this down into five questions. And I could even demonstrate it on you. Let's do it. Um, and so when you say what would give someone the courage to say, you know what, my life isn't um, what I want it to be right now. First, um, I would want to say and help you remove the judgment and any self-criticism that you have by saying that it's okay. There are many people who are not happy with where their life is, you're not alone. And so that immediately removes the self-critical judgment. Um, and then there's a lot more space open. You're like, okay, you're right. You know, there's a lot of people that also aren't living their best life right now. And now with that judgment removed, we now have a tremendous amount more of space to work with what's really there and what's really stopping you. When you get down to what's stopping people, it's, it's actually... Um, from my research and experience and mentors, it's only one thing. It's only one thing stopping you. And it's a, what you think of yourself. Yes. I agree with that 100%. On, one, on a deep level. So, um, and this is usually unconscious and it's not as, it's not as simple and it can be as just changing what you think of yourself. Cause if deep in the unconscious, you think you're unworthy. Um, you could think worthy, 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 but until you learn how to speak to the unconscious, it's, it's, you're going to have a conflict. You're going to be in conflict with yourself. The, the, the latest cutting edge of identity-based work that I've been exposed to is showing us that most of the way we approach identity work is incorrect. And so the first thing we work on is identity. Then we work on the rules of entrepreneurship. And so um, that's why our students become successful because we're working with them on identity level. We're, we're, we're shifting the identity. So the, the, fun, like the fundamental essence of how you work with identity or how most people work with identities, they tell you how to upgrade it, how to change it, how to fix it, how to get rid of, et cetera. So here's your, here's your worthlessness. Let's change that. Here's your worthlessness. Let's fix it. Let's remove your worthlessness. And what that does to the subtle part of your human nature is it shows it that it's wrong for being there. You're communicating when you try to fix an identity that it's wrong for being there. And when you send it that message, it will lock it in place. You may think you fix it. You may even get some leverage on it. But the way that you, quote, fix, which I don't even want to use that word, 
the way that you come to terms with being unworthy is by being friends with it to the point that it's okay that it's there. Because as soon as it's okay that you're feeling unworthy, it will no longer hypnotize you. Mm. And then as soon as it's okay that you're unworthy, as soon as it's okay that you have shame, as soon as it's okay that you struggle, as soon as it's okay that you're not pursuing your dream, as soon as it's okay that all this self-critical nature can be there, then it passes. And then if worthlessness ever comes, you're like, oh, I've been that before. I know that. I'm not identified with it. I know that's not who I am. I know it's just a feeling passing through me. And holy shit, does the game change? Because now it doesn't become moving from unworthiness to worthiness. There's actually a place that I've been able to start to experience. I'm on the precipice of it. That's actually beyond worth. And it's a place of identifying with who we really are and who we really are, in my opinion, is infinite potential. We are pure potential, limitless awareness. That's what we really are. So if I said I'm identity of entrepreneur, that's actually limiting to what I actually am. Because I could be entrepreneur this year. Three years later, I could be a musician. Three years later, I could be husband. And like, which one? All of those are actually limiting compared to when you learn how to build the metacognition of the brain which means cognition, brain, metamine layer. So you can look at your brain with, with objectivity and then start to see that the very worst thing that you think about yourself, the very worst thing that you think about yourself is only a thought. And it can be held as a thought. And then you know that you're so much more than that. And you're this infinite potential. And then all of a sudden, when you realize your infinite potential, then you're not driven by compulsion. Because if you have self, like me, like me, if self-worth issues are at the core, and then you now seek to correct that and fix it by becoming a worthy entrepreneur, you're fucked. Not really, but really. Because as soon as you start to succeed as an entrepreneur and that unworthiness has been sort of somehow manipulated and corrected, yeah, bless you, but Thank manipulated you. and corrected, then you lose your motivation because your only motivation was to fix your level of self-worth. And when your motivation is to fix your level of self-worth, it's going to fade as soon as you think you've corrected it, but you've never corrected it. Because when you take action from a, what you sense is a broken identity, you reinforce that identity. So it's why so many people get the big jets, the big cars, the big everything, and they're still fucking miserable. It breaks my heart, man. Yeah. It breaks my heart because what I'm talking about is simple on the surface. But if you have an identity, like I've had an identity of, just three weeks ago, I, I'm, we're building this amazing product where we teach people how to build a $20,000 per month business. And we're modeling this guy's Facebook advertising agency. And he's got five clients that make up 20 grand a month. It's a, I, I love it. I, drool, I drool over the business. And we're on Zoom and he's showing me his business. And my brain starts to shut down. I start to get, this is three weeks ago. I've already had, <coughs> I've already had million dollar businesses. I've done million dollar launches. I've done all this. And three weeks ago, I'm on, a zoom with a guy showing me his $20,000 per month business. And as it's on there, my brain's going shut down, overwhelmed, throat constricted type, get me out of here. And then I know, I know an identity is at play. So I hire a coach and I said, I had an identity come up when I was at work and we sat with it and it was difficult because an identity can be difficult to meet until it's not. Um, and then as I sit with it, it's about, 15 minutes in of breathing of the brain shutting down identity appears. It feels safe enough to emerge. Dane, you're a fraud. Well, no wonder my brain would shut down around such excellence. No wonder my brain would shut down around such greatness of this man's business. I felt like a fraud. This is three weeks ago, but guess what? Identity is a thought that I held and now we're building a course together and it's a huge joy of mine. So um, work with identity. And we actually have a course on this, on identity. We actually have a free framework that people can use completely free to, and, and, and get full results with without buying anything. Just because I get so tired of people being stuck and I didn't want them to have to buy something to be stuck. So now if anyone's ever stuck, I just tell them to use our DJP framework. Difficult How do they action. find that really quick? How do they find that? Yeah, so um, start from zero.com forward slash DJP. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Difficult action, judgment, pattern. When you articulate a difficult action, when you remove, remove the judgment, when you find patterns for where else it shows up, it starts to paint a picture for how this is way greater than this one isolated incident. But identity, when it's triggered, isn't intelligent. 
it's not very intelligent. You're like in a tunnel and you think this is who you are when your infinite potential is just waiting to be seen, but it can't be seen because you're fixated on an identity. When you start to wake up to the identity, you de difficult action, you remove the judgment, which we did about it. Many people struggle with this. Then you find a pattern where it shows up everywhere else. Then you do the Jedi move. You look for the identity that struggles with that pattern. You hold all this as a thought. Fuck yeah, you're free. You can do whatever the fuck you fucking want. And your greatness is there waiting when you're no longer fixated on incorrect thinking of identity. So if you want to have the courage to shift, understand that you can work with identities to a certain level and also understand that the heart of entrepreneurship is you don't get to decide what works. So man, I listen to this guy. I love this guy's teachings and he's in there. He's quantified all his venture capital stuff. And he asked this room full of successful business owners. And this is successful business owners. This is business owners that know what they're doing. And he said, for business owners that know what they're doing, how many times do you think you have to try to get $1 billion unicorn? And it was 250. 250 businesses to find a billion dollar unicorn. And the thing is a hundred of those will probably make millions. Like four, four out of 10 will make millions, but only one out of 10 will be a billion dollar unicorn. And he looks out at the room and he said, you will never know what it is and you can't guess what it is. So you better not even try. You can just try and see what happens. You don't get to decide what works guys. So what that means is you have to start a lot. But if you have an identity that says, I only have one chance to succeed, and then you do that and you fail and you believe that identity and then you say stuck, you're just living out a fucking identity and it's a thought. And, and these identities do need love. They don't need this anger hostility, but I think I'm more passionate right now than angry. But I'm also, I'm also angry at the fact that we could believe identity because identity can change everything. So in short, you don't get to decide what works. Try stuff out, solve a painful problem for someone and let's try those five questions real quick. Let's do it. Let's do it. If you can nail it. Yep. So the first, the first, and so this is all in the book, Start From Zero, which you can pre-order. Am I allowed to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it, bring it. Bring it. Uh, I, I always I would, give you an opportunity, Tim. Let's do it. Well, I mean, I would love for you guys to buy the book and tell me what you think. And also let me know what you build. Because it's a very comprehensive book. It's something like 262 pages. The book will leave you, the book leaves you wanting nothing. The book's fully comprehensive. It's not like the four-hour work week, which is an excellent book which kind of leaves you wanting and doesn't really show you how to really build the business. This is a business that doesn't tease you with potential. I love the four hour work week. This doesn't tease you with potential. It just gives you the full framework. There's 15 different examples of success stories in the book, 15 different examples. And included in that's a 26 factor analysis of each, per, of each student's success. You can see the personality makeup of our successful students. Take your personality makeup and see where it makes up. And that personality assessment is called Hexaco. It's very academic. It's not like some Mark Myers-Briggs, marketed thing made by marketers it's an academic made by academics so you have laser precision with cert with personality because you can target aspects of personality to build so i guess i'd say it's possible to build what you want work with identity find pain okay here's the five questions that come from the book which you can pre-order right now so you're the first to get it at startfromzero.com startfromzero.com to pre-order so question one donnie is what has been your most consistent and present problem over the last 12 months most consistent uh going big and loud enough so for me it's it's making enough noise in the marketplace going big and big and loud enough yep so number question two is how do you go about solving that right now so what we did and i'll say we because part of the company is i've hired social media teams i've hired you know people that get me on more stages i've hired people to get me on more podcasts um we just do are doing our first conference i got tired of fighting to get everybody else's stage so fuck you i'm gonna create my own stage um uh that's what we're doing right now patience is a bitch and it's not loud enough quick enough I was just sending a quick message to push push one meeting back. So um, you're you're very it's very clear that you're trying to solve this. Yep. Problem. You're doing you're doing speeches. You're doing all this, and now you're doing your own stages. Okay, great. So um, this is for people listening. This is good. He's got his own problem. He's actively trying to solve it. When you go to build a product, you want to build a product around something that they're already trying to solve. We're already in good territory here. Okay. So question three then is what happens if you don't solve that problem? we'll have to pivot because mm. we're betting the, the entire company on it right now. Wow. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very big on let's bet the farm and see what the fuck happens. Um, and I'm betting <laughs> and literally I have a farm. So, um, but this, I, this is what happens when you guys wait till 40, right? You go, <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but it, I, it's, it's, 
I have a belief that everything hinges on how loud I go because I can impact the world, but I can also bring people up who have passions in their own realms and their own rights, but their success is determined by how big I go. So, so the backup plan is, we well, haven't thought about it. I've, I'm totally yeah. vested in this way to go. Good. Yeah. So good. It's, it'd be a, it'd be very painful if it didn't, if it didn't work. Um, and then, so question four, so if you could wave a magic wand or you could have this, now we have this, now we're going to, now we're going to, so we have him, he's telling us his problem and now we're having him tell us the product idea. We don't even have to come up with the product idea. So now question four is what would your dream solution be? Or if you could wave a magic wand, what would your solution be? I would. It's, it's an interesting question because the first thing that came to mind would be some sort of sequence where I said, here I am, here's my story and the world opens up because everything's taken care of. I'm going to flip that to a little bit and instead to it's more of create, I go and these monster events happen. These monster conferences happen. These, these experiences happen because it all pushes out to the marketplace on its own, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You want to, you want a system where you can go and push a button and big events happen. Yeah. And that's the dream solution. Yep. And so fifth question now is, would that be worth paying for? Different question for that popped in my head is would other people buy it? Oh, like, like I can only sell, like I don't only be able to sell it to you. Right. Yep. Right. We might, you, you might get down that instance, but if you do the five question process to enough people, you'll end up finding something. Um, so, but would that be worth paying for, for you? Yes. Yeah. I mean, how, how much? That's, that's the fifth question. Would it be worth paying for? And how much? Um, no judgment, no in. It's hard to put a price tag on that because of the infinite value on the back end. Right. So money's never the option because you can always find money. You just got to have the right conversations. So, I mean, it all comes to what's the return after it's built. So you could put almost any price tag on it as long as it's a proven ROI. Because you could yeah. take almost a, a monkey, and I mean this in a funny way, take a monkey and put them in front of a room, people are going to buy their shit. Because people as a whole are followers. And I'm not knocking people, but people as a whole are followers. And when they see people on stage, a mindset shift changes because that person's on stage doing something I can't do or is doing something that I want to do. So, so what, they, what's your, so what's your gut say for what you pay? Just percentage of sales, a dollar amount. Well, you said it first. I, I like the percentage of sales idea, right? Yeah. Trade off, build it. Let's do a, a percentage breakout. So everybody wins. Right. So if I was charging a product price, it would be less folks. And if I'm doing a percentage of sale, since I'm taking more risk, I would charge more. And usually people are happy to do that because they're, it's when they're making money too. So now it comes into, um, so the fundamental spinal cord of a business, the fundamental essence of a business is a customer and a mechanism and a result. Customer, mechanism, result. Customer uses a mechanism to get a result. Right now my customer is Donnie. The result he wants is instantaneous large conferences. Now we're looking at mechanism. The mechanism is now where we spend our time, but the mechanism is important and almost not important because we can spend our time, we could probably factor five different approaches that might get that result. But I'm not married to the mechanism like most new entrepreneurs. Most new entrepreneurs are married to their mechanism. It's all about their idea. So, well, who's your customer? What result do they want? They're like, well, I don't know. I'm just thinking about my idea. That's why you're not successful. Right. It's truly why. Um, a mechanism takes up 95% of the mental real estate for a new, new entrepreneur. When before, one of the big first things I do is I shift people. I've actually got a podcast where I do this live with people. I mentor people live one-on-one -on -one based on their unique situation and show them how to make money. And 50% of that podcast is women. Nice. So we want to, cause we want to elevate 
all of humanity together to actualize financial independence. And when people realized that making money, you know, my girlfriend and I were taking the walk the other day. She's like, I just don't feel like I'd be worthy to sell a product to anybody. And I said, well, why don't we do the five questions? And she found something I'd pay her 25 grand for. And I said, so you see her worth has nothing to do with it. You see how what you think about yourself didn't matter in this instance because you had a process to follow. And um, so now we can actually work with the worth in this at the same time. You don't want the worst stuff to be there. Um, but this is the process. This is how it works. And customer mechanism results. So now mechanism, my one, one idea I have for mechanism, but I, I think of mechanism last. Literally 95% of my real estate is spent on customer and result. The last 5% is spent on idea and mechanism. How do we get there? Yeah. So, yeah. So like in mechanism, you know, one really cool idea is, you know, if you had every person that's bought a live event in the last year, if I could get, if I could find out how to get access to the customer list, everybody that's bought and gone to a live event in the last year. And those are people that buy events. And I figure out how to buy that list. And I figure out how we could run a four or five part promotion piece that list. So every time you hit a button, we have a software that text broadcasts, email broadcasts, um, Facebook target broadcasts in their news feed and touches them zero to seven times, which is the amount of times the people you need to be touched to go to an event. And so you could push a button anywhere three weeks before the day of an event. And with three weeks lead time, you could sell out venues. And I mean, that's, that that's how, killer. That yeah, killer, and, yeah. And that's how I would think about it, but um, that's one way. And there are probably other ways. Um, there's so much you can do in business that you have no idea about. You know, one of my first mentors who I just read books about was Dan Kennedy. And these, con these, con these con construction workers were building these big um, multi, multi-million dollar condominium units. And so they asked Dan Kennedy to sell the condos before they were built, which isn't too hard. And it is because you're selling a concept of a home. But when you get up to the affluent affluent, they don't really care. They just, they just buy stuff. You know, if, if there's a level of trust and it looks good, like, yeah, that looks great. I want to be one of the first hundred people to buy this. Affluent people will do that more often. To buy a Gulfstream plane, there's like supposedly like a year and a half wait list to buy a Gulfstream jet. There are people that get up to the level one in line and sell their spot for a million bucks to the guy last in line. <laughs> like the affluent are crazy. You know, right. they pay a million bucks just to go to the front of the line to, to buy another $14 million Gulfstream. So, um, so Dan... Um, buys a, a customer list of everybody that spent 250 grand a year with their American Express card. So if you spent a quarter million on your American Express card, he bought that customer list from American Express, sent out a very good direct mail package to them and completely sold out a construction building, a, a building before it was ever constructed. Hmm. First of its kind. So there's, those are the things that if you, if you go all in on business, if you go all in on this stuff, you'll see that it can be easy. You'll see that it doesn't have to be tough because you have these five questions and you're working with identity. You can see that from working from a place of infinite potential. You can just be of great service and, and live that wonderful life. And um, I, have a, I have a special link that I set up for your listeners. Oh, awesome. Um, Donnie, so I, I really, really like you a lot because uh, of the authenticity and, you know, your cussing is... <laughs> you know, memorable right <laughs> um, but um i have a i have an excerpt from the book that i wanted to give people for free and it's a, a seven days to seven business ideas challenge so to speak where it'll give you the five questions and give you the framework to do this over seven days so you'll do you'll do the five question process over seven days and find seven different business ideas um, and even if you have a successful business, I recommend it because it'll help you add existing products to your existing business. But if you go to startfromzero.com forward slash champions, startfromzero.com forward slash champions, it'll forward you to a special URL and there's no email capture required because I really don't like that crap. And you know, if you, if you want to give me your email, you can, but I'm not going to trick you into it. There's no email capture on that page and you can get that um, book excerpt for free. And then if you like that book excerpt, please do pre-order the book because that would mean a lot to me. And we put a lot of, we put a lot into it. And I, I really look forward to connecting with your listener base. And I, I have especially have a heart for women succeeding because, you know, I, my heart just shoots straight up to my throat when I say that because I see, um, I, I believe that women are innately wired to succeed in entrepreneurship. I really do. I think they I have agree. the innate wiring, man, because, you know, the most successful businesses are built around really painful problems and they have great communities. And women do those things naturally. They find pain and help compassionately solve it and they build community. And if you have a painful problem that you solve and you're building community around it, those are the most powerful seeds for a very, very successful business.
Love it. Dan, I got to tell you, brother, this has been a hell of a ride, my friend. Uh, it's very rare that I get a guest on where I'm damn near completely geeking out on what they're saying. So, Oh, so, good, man. So what good what, what have you been that. geeking out about? Uh, I just love the thought process. You had me hooked at, at identity. I've done a lot of identity work, you mm -hmm. know, and researching and everything else. Yes. And, and you were, when you said that everybody looks at it as a problem, as an issue, as a, a they're trying to fix the identity. And then you flipped it and said, that's the wrong way to look at it. That was, that was an absolute light bulb moment for me. So I truly, Wonderful. truly appreciate that. So well, let me, I want to give credit to my mindset mentor for that. Um, and he taught me all that and you can meet him and see his name and like learn about him in the DJP framework. Cause I used what he taught me to build the start from zero to conference of DJP where you do that identity stuff. That stuff comes from him. That that's brilliant. Yeah, that's not that's not something I woke up thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and I have more respect for you the fact that you just gave somebody else that props. That's that's oh, that authenticity you. that I fucking love. Is there's so many people uh, out there nowadays that are taking everybody else's shit and claiming it as their own, man. So yeah. so kudos for that. Let's I, let's get let's get people out of the way and into an awesome life, man. Fuck yeah. So here's how we we wrap up every episode, and I do stump some people. So okay. get ready for this. If you were going to leave the champion to listen to this show with a quote, a phrase, a saying, a mantra, something they can take with them on their journey, especially when they're stacked up against it and going through it, what's that phrase you would say? Remember this. Waste no time with anything else than looking straight to the heart of your identity. Because if you process feelings, those feelings are from the identity. So just shoot to the identity. Hold that thing with as much love as you can, like you would a crying child, until you're free. Love it. Love it. Dane, thanks so much for doing this, brother. It's good, good to call you a friend, and I'm looking yes, forward sir. to see where our journeys take us, man. And me too, Donnie. Thank you. All right. dude's a badass i just enjoyed the hell out of that conversation so guys if you do me a favor if you got any value out of this if you've got any nuggets out of this teach somebody else how to subscribe to the show teach them how to to log in uh, on their phone wherever you listen to podcasts and show them how to get in here and listen to this thing and and dude, leave a review it means everything for us if you leave a review out there and i'd really truly appreciate that um and then come hang out in the success champions facebook group we're doing all kinds of badass stuff in there on a regular basis and then make sure you get your ass over to the badass business summit dude april 3rd 4th and 5th fort worth texas you're gonna want to be there and i'm looking forward to meeting you Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to, to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions networking and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.